Hello, this is Josiah Bradley, back again with uh, another episode of Josiah's Voice. This is episode six. I'm trying something new today. I'm at the beach uh, early on a Wednesday morning. It's really peaceful out, kind of overcast out in the distance. Um, We'll see if if the fog rolls in or not. Um, It might get sunnier maybe in the next hour or two. So, but it's just, it's really peaceful out here. Just looking out at the waves, listening to the waves, the horizon. There are people out on boats. There are gulls out. There are people biking and jogging and everything. And this is a really cool place to just sit and read and, and meditate. And uh, so we'll definitely see how it uh, works out today. See if I can focus because it's just really, really beautiful out here and really calming. This is just the place to be Um, when you're trying to de-stress, when you're not really trying to think about anything. So um, but what I am thinking about today is how excited I am that I've completed my first television pilot. Last episode, I was talking about the first week or two of starting uh, the class with the University of Michigan. They put out a free television writing course, Write Your First TV Pilot. And that came to my knowledge after joining um, a new writers group. And the thread is just full of resources, like every day. Someone's putting in new links, new YouTube links, new blogs. There's a new course. There's a new Zoom chat because, of course, we're still on lockdown. Um, Don't worry, everyone here. The few people who are here are observing social distancing, which is really good. Um, But um, because we're in lockdown, everyone's got to have meetings of different kinds on Zoom chat and Google Hangouts and what have you. And so that's how I learned about the U of M TV writing pilot. And I finished it last week, last Friday, and I've just been decompressing, relaxing, because I don't know why, um, but I always forget how taxing, not necessarily in a bad way, writing can be no matter what it is it just takes focus concentration planning editing and revising and all of that just takes a lot of energy and sometimes oftentimes I forget that so after completing my pilot I've been relaxing and uh, I think maybe that's also on some level why I came out to the beach to record this episode before I get into that uh, I just want to say that um, it's also been an, an interesting month. It's the month of June 2020. And a lot's been going on with the lockdown, dealing with coronavirus, what the government's trying to do, and also dealing with uh, the wor- worldwide, at this point now, worldwide awareness of Black Lives Matter. With the unfortunate, um, I was going to say passing, the murder of George Floyd, murder of 
um, Ahmaud Aubrey, the murder of Breonna Taylor. And that's just three people that that we know of. That's just three people who got national uh, international attention. And um, I was also writing the pilot. My my um, writing mates and I were all creating dealing with all of that. And, you know, I was saying this about coronavirus as far as like businesses opening back up and it's like the world doesn't stop um, and we just have to adapt. And that was the same thing, just dealing with everything going on with Black Lives Matter and just dealing with the depressive, the depressing episodes and the anger and the mourning and um I'm still getting through that myself. But um, I just encourage people, um, whether you're a creator, you know, or a writer or not, like myself, I definitely encourage you to uh, get informed and to contribute to Black Lives Matter, not just the organization, but also the idea of how can I improve black lives? And so I encourage you to inform yourself um, whether you're black or white, definitely if you're white, um, do that. But also if you're, if you're black, um, so is that you never forget that you're contributing to making your people's lives better by buying black, buying into black businesses, black books, black salons, black banks, black, um, supermarkets, etc. Um, however it affects your life, the things that you need, the things that you're interested in. I'm going to uh, link in my blog, Josiah's Voice Podcast at WordPress.com. I'm going to include links to a lot of these links you might have seen, but I'm going to include links to resources where you can contribute to celebrate Black Lives and the value that we bring. Whether you're black or white, definitely if you're black, to remind yourself that, you know, still we rise. And if you're black, so that you can uphold justice and buy in to making lives, to making black lives better and enriching them and improving them. So with that, Rest in peace to Ahmaud Aubrey. Rest in peace to Breonna Taylor. Rest in peace to George Floyd and the countless other precious black lives who've been lost to racism and white supremacy. Uh, we honor you and we pray for justice for not only our people, but definitely for your families. So... My pilot, my first TV pilot, uh, was an experiment in adapting the novel my dad and I wrote called Noteworthy Tribute, Running with the Mustangs at Little Island Pier. The novel was uh, completed in June 2015, five years ago this month. My dad and I completed Noteworthy Tribute, and uh, it's pretty amazing Oh, I just saw a dolphin. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, nature has come back in the lockdown of a coronavirus. Um, anyway, it's been five years 
since my dad and I completed Noteworthy Tribute, and that's pretty awesome. We've been celebrating that on social media. Um, You can check out the book on Amazon.com. Just search Noteworthy Tribute, Running with the Mustangs, Little Island Pier. Seeing these dolphins is so, so cool. Um, And so my experiment for the TV writing class was to try and adapt that and see what that would be like because I'm curious about book to movie and book to television adaptations no different than anybody else and um, in fact I recently watched uh, I recently read um, Devil in a Blue Dress by Walter Mosley I'm waiting for book two to come in I love that book it was so good I can't wait to dive further into the series and I recently watched the movie adaptation Uh, with Denzel Washington and Don Cheadle. So good. So good. So I'm really into trying to capture the spirit of the novel my dad and I wrote. And so the book uh, follows Evan Spencer and Corey Faber. Evan's black, Corey's white. And the, the book takes place in Virginia Beach. And the story is just about a friendship between Evan and Corey as Evan tries to hold his band, he called them the Mustangs, and he's trying to get his first EP done, his first album done with his his fledgling band made up of his girlfriend Camille, his friend Sam, and his friend Ryan. And uh, Corey later joins the band. And it's just about their friendship in Virginia Beach and how life doesn't stop and how life competes when you have a dream because Camille is uh, at a Norfolk State University and so she's busy. Ryan and Sam are busy with their jobs and other things. Evan's dealing with uh, his mom not really being too hot on his dream because of some past family drama with her and Evan's dad and the I guess the strain and the trauma that the music industry had on their relationship. Um, Evan's mom's a single mom. Evan didn't know his dad. And so he's got this dream and he's just trying to hold it all together and make it work. Dealing with the pressures of life and family and trying to determine his own destiny. Corey was an indie musician in Portland, Oregon, and he enjoyed some indie music success until his best friend, Frankie, was murdered. And Frankie was his bandmate. They had a band called Kindred. And uh, drugs and Frankie's death destroyed their band. And so Corey is mourning Frankie and mourning the death of the band, essentially. And so he goes to his godfather's beach house in Virginia Beach to to mourn, to remember Frankie, and to try to figure out what he's going to do with his life and just kind of unplug from the relative spotlight that he was in and try to get his head back on straight. And that's when Corey and Evan meet each other while Evan's trying to determine his music, his musical dreams. And so I'm trying to adapt the book for a TV show, like maybe five seasons, maybe eight to 10 episodes or something like that, just to see what it's like and to write my first TV pilot. So 
I have five points here I want to talk about. Uh, The first point was adapting a book to another medium and what that was like. Uh, A visual medium, in fact, because if you're a book lover or even if you're not, you know that books take place in the theater of your mind, basically, which is one of the reasons I love books so much. It's the fact that men and women can write words and weave a story on paper, right? Or in ebook form. It's the reader who brings the story to life in our own individual imaginations. I'll read any given book and take away certain ideas and images, but then you will read the same book and you'll get something different out of it. And that's amazing that in our collective imaginations, we can read the same book, but we might come up, come away with different ideas. And it's sort of similar to adapting a book for TV because it's visual. I'm adapting the book for the visual medium. I have to do more showing than telling. You have to do a lot of showing, showing versus telling in a book, but in TV and film, it's all visual or you definitely have to rely on the visual and the sights and the sounds and the descriptions and things move a lot faster. I noticed while adapting a noteworthy tribute for the screen, whereas one example is I can spend a lot of time in the heads of my characters, um, writing through their point of view or narrative summary and things like that. For TV, I couldn't do that. For TV, I had to, I, I had to visualize it and speed it up. On the page of the book, something might have taken five pages, but that's five pages in a book. A page in a screenplay, be it TV or movie, can be equated to one minute of screen time. So five pages of a script is five minutes. Whereas in a book, it didn't work that that way. It might be, that might be 10, 15 minutes. Because in a book, the pages are front and back. The story is on the front and back of the pages. In a script, it's single page. The story is on one page. So that was interesting to combine. I combined about five chapters of Noteworthy Tribute into one. I cut some things, I added some things, I revised some things, and I combined five main points that I I tried to combine the spirit of the first five or so chapters of No Worthy Tribute into the first episode. That's what a pilot episode is in TV. The first episode. And so that chronicles what Corey is going through, having left Portland, mourning his best friend, moving into his Uncle Ken's beach house, meeting Uncle Ken's friend, Leslie, who lives next door, and also Evan's life with his girlfriend, with his best friend, Tony, trying to chase down his bandmates, dealing with his mom, fighting him on his dream and studio time because he built the studio in the garage and she's starting to regret that. And... Evan dealing with his uncle who means well and wants, you know, he wants to be there for Evan's mom, who's his baby sister. 
and Evan doesn't have a male role model in his life. And so Evan's mom's trying to get his uncle, his uncle Nate, to be a part of his life and go on fishing trips and give him advice. You know, she's trying to get Uncle Nate to get Evan to go to college or to get a regular job, right? Or, or to hurry up and make something of his entrepreneurship. Because Uncle Nate, uh, in the book, isn't a food truck driver. But that's something interesting that I added since I once worked on a food truck. So Uncle Nate is a food truck operator, has his own seafood truck business. And in fact, he's got another truck on the way. And, but he's making something of that. There seems to be, you know, immediate results. But with Evan being, um, I've, I'm a videographer. I edit for a YouTube channel. So I've added those things to Evan. Whereas previously he didn't have those things. And so he's doing his entrepreneurship thing. And so Uncle Nate's trying to pass down knowledge to get Evan to take it more seriously because in Uncle Nate and Evan's mom's eyes, Evan's not taking it seriously. But if you've ever been an entrepreneur, you know it takes time. If you're a writer, it takes time. I have a brother who's a rapper and a musician and writing songs takes a lot out of you. takes a lot of concentration, takes a lot of focus. And so Evan's just dealing with that. And so it was interesting to begin to put those things on the page and visualize them. Sorry, I got distracted. There are more dolphins out. It's so cool to just be watching the waves and just see dolphins surfacing like that. So anyway, that was, um, so that was something, uh, a new experience, just uh, visualizing and moving faster and more efficiently Uh, with a script, not being able to summarize things the way that I would in prose, but having to be a little bit more specific for the screen. That was a new experience. So the second point is uh, I'm a lot better at world building now than than I was. I remember as a kid, um, and I think I mentioned this before, the story Bible is a major proponent um, a major aspect of coming up with a TV show because you got to map out how many episodes and how many seasons of your show there's going to be or that you hope there's going to be. And I forgot that I used to do that, come up with a story Bible, try to figure out where I was going, where and that and that includes uh, character bios. That's one of the most basic things like, you know, how old are they? What's their ethnicity? Are they male or female? What are their favorite interests in, in what's their Myers-Briggs or, or whatever and things like that? And so that's a major proponent, like and also the setting and what's the vision for the story. And so this writing a story Bible for. Uh, my television pilot, which I, I called Running with the Mustangs. I just kind of shortened the subtitle of uh, the book title. Running with the Mustangs was the name of the show. Um, I thought that was cool. I came up with uh, some summaries for, for Corey and Evan and Camille and um, the adults and and any of the, the villains. Like uh, there there's a rivalry um, that Evan and Tony have with an old friend of theirs. Um, oh, a blue, uh, not a blue crane, a white crane flying over it. That's awesome. 
Um, they have a friend named BB that they used to run with, but he's kind of like this wannabe thug who's getting into gambling and he's kind of, you know, floating around the outskirts of the story and he's got a role to play. And so I have to describe those things. And I'm a lot better at that now. And it felt good to, to sit down and, and concentrate. That's why sometimes it is good to take webinars and courses because it does force you to sit down and be focused. So I'm a lot better at that now. And I'm really excited. I actually found myself really excited to want to go, you know, what's the next web series or t- TV show that I want to come up with? Um, after running with the Mustangs, you know, will it be more contemporary, like running with the Mustangs or will it be sci-fi or fantasy? Because if you know me, my friends and family know I'm a big sci-fi and fantasy nerd. And so the story Bible was, was really cool. It didn't have to be that long. I think mine might've been seven pages or or something like that. And I mapped out like, uh, initially it was maybe 10 episodes. And then I realized I could condense some things, combine some things. And so it went down to about an eight episode first season. I think one of my favorite aspects of writing the story Bible was summarizing the vision and talking about how the book, well, in this case, the show would follow the book in that the show would be about you know, it would be coming of age. It would be about sacrifice. It would be about chasing your dreams. It would be about friendship. It would be, I said, coming of age, not only for Evan being the main character who's like 23 or so, but also for the adults who still have some things to learn about the new generation um, or the next generation, right? And friendship. And in like intergenerational friendships, because some of my friends are cool with my parents. And that was something that really inspired my dad when he wrote the book, which was his friends growing up in college. They knew his mom and who and he knew their parents and he wanted to capture that. And I wanted to still capture that for the show. One thing that really helped was uh, my writing mates in my uh, my writing group and who were also taking the class. They shared a website that I think I've linked before in the past. I'll link it again in the show notes for this episode. They linked um, like, I think it was like 40 show Bibles to different TV shows. And it included Grey's Anatomy, Lost. um, It included Adventure Time. X-Files might be in there. And so that was cool. That was a cool bit of homework to get my show Bible done. Um, uh, There's some for Batman the Animated Series, Stranger Things, and that was really cool to see how people would summarize what their vision for the show would be. And one of the reasons the story Bible is so important is it's also practical, not just for writing, but also for the studios and the producers. It can be as simple as budget, which isn't simple, but uh, maybe what I mean is one example is just the show Bible helps you determine the budget for um, how many main cast members, which means like how many big names, setting, props, location, etc. 
actually the Grey's Anatomy show Bible was really good because I liked how it emphasized things like the show was meant to be young and sexy and how Grey's Anatomy was supposed to explore, you know, I don't know if we, we were, were we saying millennials back when that show came out? Was that like what, 2010 or something? But the show was about young people becoming doctors while also dealing with the ups and downs of life. No different than running with the Mustangs is a group, a, a band, the Mustangs are chasing their musical dream, trying to cut an album and hold the band together while stealing, still dealing with the ups and downs of life. So that was uh, the show Bible aspect. And I really enjoy that. And I can't wait to write another, another show Bible. It's just, it's like one big letter to the executive producers. Okay, here's what you can expect. And here's my vision, right? So let's do it. Throw, throw money at me so we can make the show happen. So point three was um, very sobering and very important for artists, um, especially writers. And I was reminded that being in the class, that sharing my writing is still invaluable. It's really scary to do that, but you got to do it. You got to get objective point of view to see if what you're doing is working or not. Another white crane. Beautiful. Um, Oh, there's also a surfer out now. More people are coming out. And so uh, the class was made up of hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, three, three or four of my um, uh, writing group mates were, were in the class. And so that was cool to be able to read and review their work and tell them what, what I thought of it, what was working, what might not be working and things like that. And they did the same for me. And one thing I was talking to my dad and uh, a friend of mine, Ochi, because um, she's working on her novel. And I was telling her how... Um, I was, I'm getting over a fear that I can't grow as a writer. So taking this class and writing the, uh, running with the Mustangs TV pilot was helpful to help me get over my fear that if someone gives me advice that I can't use it. I hope that makes sense. Sometimes I'm worried that someone better than me is going to review, you know, or beta read my work, my script or my, my short story, my novel. And they're going to poke it, you know, poke every hole in it imaginable. But I'm worried that I'm not good enough to then fix what they say needs fixing. And that's really held me back in the past. But this class really caused me to face that and really get real with it and just kind of tuck my shoulder and, you know, barrel through anyway. And I got to say, I really feel... A, a, a weight lifted off my shoulders of just seeing people tell me what they thought worked, what they didn't um, get any suggestions. And, and it's OK to not take their suggestions. You know, some people thought I should do one thing. And if I didn't agree, it's OK. Um, there is a video I watched um, dedicated to um I found this on my own, dedicated to the art. This writer, um, I think I've mentioned her before, named Shailen Bishop. She considers writing, uh, She can, writing is of course an art form. She considers taking criticism an art form. And she did mention how it is okay. You do have freedom to not take someone's advice. You have to reap the reward of that. You have to own up to that. 
but it's true that you don't have to take people's advice, but it is okay to get feedback. But not only is it valuable for me or invaluable for me to get feedback, but it's, you know, it's the reverse for other people. It's valuable to them, obviously, but also reading other people's work is valuable. You can learn a lot. You can learn a lot from what they do really well. You can also learn a heck of a lot from what other people don't do well. Actually, I've heard people say that you can learn a lot as a writer about how to write a better book, better poetry, a better screenplay by reading work that actually isn't that good. You know, or you can learn to make a better movie by watching, you know, bad movies. But um, to end that point on sharing uh, my work in the class to make my pilot better. Yes, I did also learn, um, and no shade, absolutely no shade against anyone. I'm no writing expert. Um, but there were some people who really struggled. There were some people who really struggled with the class. Um, and uh, I would give you know feedback as helpful and as kindly, I hope, as I could. Because that can be tough to sometimes give people feedback when it's just on a message board. You know, it's just text, you know. And not everyone in the class was also an English speaker. So I tried to write, you know, articulate things sometimes as long winded as I could um, just to, you know, in the spirit of trying to help out. But again, it was no shade to anyone who struggled in the class. But there were some people I noticed who really struggled. But that taught me some things. And like, it's okay. It's like it's a, a circle of the writer's life, I guess. You know, what I struggle with on the page and that I choose to share might help other people with their writing. It'll help me when they give me helpful feedback. But it also helps me when I read their stories as well. And I see, you know, oh, you know what? Here's how I would have described this thing. Here's how I would have shown this. Here's how I would have gotten into my protagonist's, you know, head in a screenplay or something like that. So sharing your work is still really valuable. And taking this TV writing class just uh, confirmed that or reconfirmed and solidified that for me. And so I'm, that's another really rewarding aspect of writing this class. Um, it's, it's great to have your ego stroked and be told that, you know, um, someone said like, wow, you're writing on a really professional level. And, you know, I was like, uh, uh thanks. I'm, I'm trying, you know, you know, not trying to get a big head or anything, but that was real cool that somebody, you know, just had high praise to, to give, um, as well as people saying, you know, make sure your protagonist changes, you know, cause sometimes I struggle with passive protagonists, um, that can be really, really tough. Um, so that was good to tackle in this class of how can I, what obstacles can I put in Evan and Corey's path, you know, or what is it that they want, you know, no matter how complex or simple, you know, Evan really wants, he wants a lot of things, but he wants to finish his album and he wants support. And one way people can support him is to come to rehearsal and his mom can believe in him. Evan is also dealing with writer's block and trying to overcome that because he's working on his song. Oh, another white crane. And also the surfers have about three surfers are out here now. That's really cool. Surfing with the dolphins. Uh, Corey needs to stop blaming himself because he blames himself for Frankie's death 
his his bandmate and best friend and he blames himself for the band following uh falling apart and he's like i don't know if i want to play music ever again and he's trying he's kind of directionless now and he's trying to find a direction and he's trying to heal he's trying to figure out does he deserve to heal since he's got some some form of weird survivor's guilt you know and so people would tell me you know make sure your characters are dynamic make sure that they change um by the end of of the pilot my pilot's an hour long some of my writing mates or group mates theirs were half hour um dramas and comedies mine was an hour long drama and um you know make sure my my acts have, make sure each act has a beginning middle and end like it's almost a, a mini short film in and of itself and so it was good to get outside feedback from people who don't even know me from Adam, right? Some people might not even be in the same country as I. And so that was really, so that was really helpful and, and really cool. And um, along those lines, um, I already kind of touched on it, but yeah, it's okay to grow as a writer. Because like I said, my pilot episode combines the first five or six chapters of the book uh, within those chapters, Evan and Corey meet for the first time. I think by the fifth or sixth chapter, they meet for the first time. The chapters are really, really brief. Um, and so they meet for the first time. And so the pilot has to end or incorporate Corey and Evan meeting. And that means I have to reread the book. I hadn't read Noteworthy Tribute in a while. And so I had to, you know, you got to do your research. You got to familiarize yourself, um, not only with, you know, music trends and and things like that because Evan's a DJ and a keyboardist uh Corey is a guitarist so I'm looking up things about DJs and beat machines and things like that my dad's a guitarist and um I have to so I have to do my research and that also includes rereading you know maybe the first third of the book or something like that right because it's been a while and so that means you also get to see how you've grown as a writer. And sometimes that means you see, you know, some of the, the cringy things that, that you wrote. The cringy thing, you know, the way you wrote them. Like, oh, I should have done narrative summary here. Oh, I really shouldn't have done narrative summary here. Oh, I did too much telling. I didn't show here. Oh, I didn't punctuate correctly here. How did that get past the editing phase? And, you know, you get really self-conscious. You know, we've all heard actors say a lot of actors don't like to watch their movies back. You know, they just want it to be in the process of the movie when they did it. And then they want to move on. Right. It's, it's just mortifying to look at old work. And so rereading Noteworthy Tribute to write my pilot, I'm not above this. I experienced a little bit of like, oh my God, you know, did I write this or something like that? Or, you know, or of course, since I co-wrote it with my dad, no shade to dad, love you, dad. Um, you know, we, we were where we were five years ago. And I, I did talk to dad about this recently. Now that the class is over, um, now that I passed the class. And of course he understood, um, you know, he, he, he let me be all anal and anxious about it and let me, you know, say my piece and everything and, and realize that, you know, I knew what I knew, you know, of course, dealing with me since I'm writing the pilot, 
I knew what I knew in 2015. And I didn't know in 2015 what I know in 2020. And that's okay. You know, while writing this pilot, I realized, you know, I have grown. And actually, that is why it's good to sometimes read your old work. You know, as mortifying as it is, it's okay to look back and see, man, have I grown as an artist. That really is okay to do. And it's okay to know what you know when you know it. Or there, I think there's a meme or something out there saying like, forgive yourself for what you didn't know, what you honestly didn't know. I'm sure you guys have, you guys have seen that meme, right? And it applies to writing and it applied to writing this TV script because I knew what I knew. I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but I knew it was really powerful and poignant to me while rereading the book to write the script. I knew what I knew in 2015 and it's 2020 now. And in 2025, I'm going to know more about writing than I knew in 2020. Think about that. And think about that for yourself. If you're a writer, if you're an artist or, 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 you know, you're just living life, you know, it could, you could apply it to, you know, not just writing, but, but being a business person, if you're a business person, entrepreneur to, to dating, you know, um, you knew what you knew when you were in one relationship, you know, and, and that was then this is now, you know, maybe you messed up. Maybe you definitely messed up, but it's okay in a new relationship to acknowledge, you know what, but I've grown and the past is the past, but it doesn't mean I can't learn from it. And it's the same thing with writing in 2030, a decade from today, who knows what I'm going to know about writing? You know, I'm, wow, I'm suddenly reminded of this quote from, I think, the pilot of Criminal Minds. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show. Dr. Reed, he's like the mascot. He's like the most powerful, or powerful, maybe he is the most powerful. He's the most popular character. He's a young um, criminal psychologist and criminal investigator with Shamar Moore and, and the team, right, of investigators. And I think in the pilot... He's like 22 or something like that. I don't know. I think the show's still going on now. I think um, he might be in his late 20s by now. But I remember in the pilot, um, the, the head of Dr. Reed's team, they were talking. He and Shamar Moore, I think, were talking about Dr. Reed. And they were just in awe of how brilliant his mind is. And the lead, the leader said to Shamar Moore, you know, it's amazing what Dr. Reed knows now, right? Imagine what he'll know 10, 20 years from now. Or parents. I'm not a parent, but I am an uncle. Parents, fellow uncles, aunties, grandparents, y'all know what I'm talking about too. You know, I, I have like a four-year-old nephew and he's, he's a little scamp. <laughs> he's got so much energy and he's so, so curious about, about everything. And imagine how curious and how energetic. Imagine what he'll be like when he's, you know, he's four years old now. Imagine what he'll be like when he's 14, right? We all have that, you know, we appreciate 
our nieces and nephews and our grandchildren and our children, we appreciate them right where they are. It doesn't mean they might not drive us crazy, but we can't wait to see what they're like in years time. And we don't, we don't punish them. I think that's what I was doing. I was punishing myself a little bit while rereading the book, but that's not fair to myself. It's not fair to do that to my writings. It's not fair to do that to my past self. So that was an invaluable part of writing this pilot and revisiting the novel to make it fresh and new in, in, a, in a TV setting. You know, whether we ever produce the TV pilot or not, um, th- that was an invaluable experience to, to, and, and humbling and, and humbling to appreciate the reward of where I was. Like, like back in 2014, 2015, when dad and I were writing the book, you couldn't tell us nothing. We were so excited to just be working together and writing a book and using what we knew when we knew it. We weren't thinking about the future. We were in the moment. And so that's what I had to remember to do now while reviewing the book to write a fresh pilot. So that brings me to my final point. This is still in progress. Uh, it's still in whip status, work in progress. So I'll just say I'm curious. I'm curious because um, writing a TV show is a lot like writing a book because TV is like a visual book because there are chapters in a book and there are chapters, a.k.a. episodes in a TV show that will go on for five, 10, 15 seasons. And I was certainly appreciating and I appreciate this with any project I work on. At some point you want to move on. You know, I've got other writer friends who are like, man, I can't wait to work on the next movie or to write the next book. You know, you're just ready to, you know, just do something else. But I did appreciate mapping out, you know, okay, here are eight episodes I think I'd write. And here's how many seasons I think it might be. You know, I imagine maybe running with the Mustangs might be three to five seasons. Um, One of my favorite shows, Hannibal, I believe was three seasons long. Um, another show I was a big fan of, Legion, um, about the X-Men, that was, I think, three or four seasons as well. You know, I've heard, you know, that five seasons, you know, like Breaking Bad is the sweet spot, you know, and uh, I'm starting to think that really is true. I mean, any show that I love, I want to go on forever, you know, and a lot of shows are lucky to go on for years and years. Some shows should have stopped at five seasons. They kind of overstayed their welcome, you know. But um, I think I've really developed even more of an appreciation for limited series, um, web series, and movies. Um, I might have said this in the first episode. And if you, if we're friends, you know, if you know me, you know, I got into screenwriting definitely wanting to write movies and, um, I still really, really want to do that. In fact, now, um, now more than ever, I really want, uh, one of my next projects to be tackling running with the Mustangs as a movie. Initially, when my dad and I wrote the book, we were like, how cool would it be? For, the, for, you know, noteworthy tribute to be adapted as a movie, right? Because five years ago, that's interesting. Five years ago, it wasn't the... It, maybe we were in the early stages of the quote-unquote golden age of TV. You know, Breaking Bad and, and stuff like that, like I said before. And 
back then there weren't as many book to TV adaptations. We've always had book to movie adaptations like Narnia, Lord of the Rings, Devil in a Blue Dress. But now in this golden age of TV, we have more book to TV adaptations like Handmaid's Tale, like um, I think there's a show based on Stephen King called The Outsider, um, the new Kerry Washington show, Little Fires Everywhere. Um, I think his Dark Materials, that was a book, that's a show on HBO. Um, Watchmen was a graphic novel. And HBO just made that a limited series of like nine episodes. And so I've really come to appreciate form even more now. And really, I'm really even more interested in like, what kind of stories do I want to tell? Like, do I ever want to do a limited series? I think I really am even more in love with movie format now. Um, Maybe, you know, hour and a half long movies, you know, nothing Lord of the Rings long, but maybe even nothing two hours, maybe just shy of two hours. I was in a webinar about um, storytelling that I think Variety put on uh, this week. And the webinar from Variety was um, about the story about a scripted podcast like that wasn't a big thing in 2015, but it's an even bigger thing now. Like I think Issa Rae has one um, called, uh, what is it called? It's based on the show within the show of Insecure. Uh, Chasing LaToya or Finding LaToya. It's this uh, hilarious like parody of like, oh, someone's gone missing, right? And like, you know, criminal investigation. It's like finding LaToya or something. And I need to find it. Um, I'll link it in the blog. I think it's a, uh, yeah, I think there's a scripted podcast from uh, Issa Rae's production company. Um, I think Rami Malek is in a scripted podcast. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it is. I'm subscribed to it. Um, it's a dystopian podcast, right? And so that's a thing. And like, now I'm curious about that. Now that I'm taking podcasting more seriously, like, would I ever do some type of scripted show? You know, um, a buddy of mine on Instagram does tiny, I think it's called tiny tales on Spotify. His name's Hassan. Shout out to you, Hassan. He's done. Um, it's not a, I don't think it's a scripted podcast. Maybe it's like an anthology where he writes, you know, flash fiction, essentially, you know, and then he he reads it off on his podcast. And like, there's just so much creativity going. And so experimenting with writing a true blue TV pilot really made me curious, really made me curious about about writing more shows, about getting better at the story Bible but it also reinvigorated my love for writing short films and writing feature films. And it made me consider like, what am I good at? You know, now that I've written a pilot, you know, and I'll write more pilots. Um, It is very, oh, they're leaping in the air now. The dolphins are leaping out, showing off and showing out. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, writing this pilot just really gave me an appreciation for different forms of storytelling and really created a yearning and a curiosity in me to really stretch myself because I'd never written a pilot before. So now I'm like, ooh, what else can I do? What else am I capable of? 
you know, and, and, you know, and in my writing, you know, I'm totally fine with maybe I'm not that good at pilots or maybe I'm not even this important. Also, maybe I'm not interested. You know, I talked about this, I think, in my last episode. I DNF, you know, do not finish a lot of projects, a lot of books, and you got to be okay with that. Sometimes it's okay to just have the experience of doing something. Everything doesn't have to be a hustle mentality or a make money mentality. It is good to hustle and it is good to want to make money and it is good to want to get a movie or a book or a show done or a painting or a a photography series, you know, whatever it is. Um, But I definitely writing this pilot really liked and I really liked adapting my book for TV. I really learned a lot about the form of television because I love TV. I really want to learn more. I have more ideas um, to do pilots. I want to get a portfolio going. Well, you know, I don't want to. I am getting a portfolio started. I looked at this class as kickstarting that. And uh, I really just feel even more focused. So again, Josiah's Voice Podcast.wordpress.com is where I'm going to link resources where you can support the movement, where you can celebrate black lives, whether you're black or not. Um, and I'm also going to link resources, of course, to my writers and to my black writers. Again, In the Cut, LA and Culture Machine and The Blacklist and Black Twitter definitely are just a few examples, just a few examples, and I'll link more. And if you've listened this far, I want to thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was fun to try something new here at the beach. And again, it was just really rewarding to talk about my writing process and to talk about adapting my book for TV, celebrating five years of noteworthy tribute. And uh, with that, I'm a I'm a go test the water here because it looks great. And I'll talk to you again next time. Peace.